the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, for the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today, we have us a fun little sci-fi adventure for everybody. Uh, we are going to be talking the uh, 1997 film Starship Troopers, and then follow that up with a uh, review of the 90s show Biker Mice from Mars, and then we're going to be coming back to Starship Troopers to do our casting. So we have uh, a couple of these fun action-adventure sci-fi properties for everybody out there that we're going to be talking about. So uh, a lot of fun. I definitely remember both of these uh, properties from when we were younger. Um, so it's uh, very exciting for me. So, all right. Um, and I just kind of want to get into it. But before we do that, we definitely got to get into 1997. All right. So the film was released on November 7th, 1997. The Billboard Top 100 single for that week was one that basically took the entire back quarter of 97, which was the Candle in the Wind, something oh, about yeah. the way you look tonight, Elton John redo for the uh, yeah. death of Diana. And it seems to me you lived your life like a candle in the wind, never fading. With the sunset when the rain set in. Yeah, we've played it before, and we had, I don't know, we may even play it again, because uh, that song, it, it was huge. It, it literally took the entire back fourth of, yeah. the, of 97 as, <laughs> as topping the chart. That's um, funny. So there was no escaping it. Um, as best I could tell, topping the Nielsen ratings was likely ER. It was yeah, you know, right, sense. right at the time when it was uh, popular. About a week before the movie came out was the release of Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex Strikes Back. Um, okay. I, I I don't think I... Uh, I think I've had, maybe I really played, played Crash Bandicoot once or twice uh, for at friends' places who had them. It was a fine game, but I never was ever like, oh, I got to get this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The New York Times bestseller was Cold Mountain by Charles Frazier, which uh, was turned okay. into a very, uh, you know, very successful movie. And I was trying to find something like funny and quirky to put for my little fun fact. And I found something that was just so Texas that I had to just discuss it. Uh, in, in September of 97, Texas uh, passed what was called the Purple Paint Law. Uh, and it is, it's a warning signified by painting fence posts purple that trespassers can be held criminally liable for entering the property without the express permission of the owner. Which is just weird that they would have to do that. Yeah, they would have to paint it purple to to show that. I guess. I mean, I assume it's you know if they it's do it so they could shoot them. <laughs> just honestly, that's what that's what I took away from it as well. Yeah, it's, it's more yeah a warning <laughs> of you you cross that purple fence and I'm going to shoot you dead. <laughs> just my guess. So all right, Texas. <laughs> that, was, that was 1997. All right. Well. uh... Texas gunfire aside, uh, let's see if uh, we want to be apes and we want to live forever or we want to get into Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers, 1997. It was directed by Paul Verhoeven. Uh, he directed Robocop, Total Recall, uh, Basic Instinct, and Showgirls. 
And we've talked a couple of those films. Uh, this movie is based on the 1959 novel of the same name, uh, written by Robert A. Heinlein. Uh, the screenplay for this movie was written by Ed Neumeyer, uh, who also wrote uh, RoboCop, which makes sense. Kind of sci-fi, futuristic sci-fi film. Uh, music was done by Basil Polidoris. Mm-hmm. Also did the uh, the soundtracks, or did the um, composed music for... Blue Lagoon, Conan the Barbarian, RoboCop, Hunt for Red October, White Fang, Free Willy, and one we always love to bring up, Serial Mom, <laughs> also did that music. So, Cinematography by uh, Jost Vocano, or Vacano, also did RoboCop, so worked with Verhoeven before, but also Das Boat, Showgirls, Never Ending Story as mm. well. Uh, and I do want to bring up uh, the editor uh, editors, Mark Goldblatt and Caroline Ross. They did uh, editing work for some phenomenal Program uh, projects like Terminator, Terminator Two, True Lies, Armageddon, Bad Boys Two. So lots of action stuff. Michael Bay and and other just uh, some James Cameron stuff as well. So do they often work together? Yes, they did often work together. I was so. gonna say the name the the lady's name sounded familiar, so I, I definitely mm-hmm. have remembered you mentioning them before. Uh, the cast for this movie: Johnny Rico is played by Casper Van Dien. Uh, he was in a show called Watch Over Me. He was in Alita: Battle Angel and actually quite a bit of things. But just nothing as huge as this one, right. in my opinion. Dizzy Flores, played by Dina Meyer. She was in Johnny Mnemonic, uh, the Saw, a Saw movie, uh, Star Trek Genesis, mm-hmm. uh, and a few other things as well. And I met her in person at a Star Trek con just, I don't know, probably four or five years ago. And she is just as beautiful now as she was in 97. Yeah, she she's got a, I don't know, I mean, she's one attractive, of course, in general, but her face is just, I don't know. There's just something stunning mm-hmm. about how, how beautiful her face is. So. I agree. Uh, Carmen Ibanez is played by Denise Richards. Uh, she was in Wild Things, The World is Not Enough, uh, late cameo at the end of Love Actually, and plenty of other things. Ace is played by Jake Busey, who is the son of Gary Busey. Uh, he was in The Frighteners, Contact, and uh, this uh, really shitty show called Shasta McNasty. <laughs> Anybody remembers that one? <laughs> Carl is played by Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, and before this, everybody should know him as Doogie Hauser. Uh, after this, you would know him from How I Met Your Mother and Doctor's Horrible Singalong blog and Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, that kind of stuff. So, But this was during that quiet time in his career. After Doogie Hauser, where he, I didn't think he had as many roles. He kind of had struggled to pick up other roles. Yeah, I think, I think the turnaround for him was Harold and Kumar, from what yeah, I understand. Yeah. Um, he was in this, but like this didn't shoot him back into the limelight. No. Harold and Kumar brought him in as kind of like the crazy guy, and yeah. then, then then he got How I Met Your Mother after that. Yeah, I, I did. We watched this uh, in the living room, and my daughter didn't really pay attention. I didn't, and I was like, "You probably don't want to watch this anyway." She was just doing her own thing, not even paying sure. attention to the movie. But when he came on, she's like, "Is that Barney?" Like, yeah, <laughs> yes, it's, it's yeah. Barney. Sergeant Zim, played by the great Clancy Brown, and we've talked about him in Shawshank Redemption uh, and SpongeBob SquarePants, where he voices a uh, crusty crab guy, and s- just tons of live action and, and voice work mm-hmm. from Clancy Brown. Uh, Xander is played by uh, Patrick Muldoon, and he had roles in Melrose Place and tons, like f- almost 500 credits or something of Days of Our Lives. Um, but I'll always remember him best from Saved by the Bell. He played that the manager of the Max that Kelly dated for like a few episodes. Uh, I don't remember those episodes. All right. Fair enough. 
Uh, and then Gene uh, Raschek uh, is played by Michael Ironside, and we know him from Top Gun, Total Recall Scanners, and he's just a, a awesome actor. We yeah, love Michael Ironside. Absolute icon. Yep. Uh, the budget for this film was over $100 million, but it only made $120 million. So that's basically a flop. <laughs> you really have to make, you know, with, with marketing costs and also kind of shared revenue, you've, you've got to make more money than that. And so this one was also mostly panned by critics when it came out, uh, partly because people didn't realize it's a satire right. to fascism. <laughs> people thought that it was like promoting, you know, this this one world federal state and all this kind of stuff. But it did eventually get a cult following. It absolutely did. And funny thing is that Verhoeven actually admitted that he actually never finished the novel when he read it. Mm. He got like for, he got three chapters in and then he just told the writer to tell him what the rest of it was. <laughs> because a lot of people saw it as a very right wing book. However, diehard fans of the books will tell you that that it was that the author was libertarian and uh, was also, I guess, trying to see the satire. I do remember having a friend who read it, I think, before the movie came out and was disappointed in the movie. But Verhoeven l- didn't want to do it and wanted to satire the whole right wing mm-hmm. thing, and so tried to overtly satire it by like making it like. Here's this great thing. And actually, Michael Ironside, I even asked him, like, why are you making like a right wing book? And he's like, he had a really good quote. It was, um, yeah, why are you doing a right wing fascist movie? And his reply was, if I tell the world that a right wing fascist way of doing things doesn't work, then no one will listen to me. So I'm going to make a perfect fascist world. Everyone is beautiful. Everyone is shiny. Everything has big guns and fancy ships, but it's only good for killing fucking bugs. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Even though it didn't do great at the box office, I, it probably did pretty well on like VHS and DVD sales because mm-hmm. it did spawn four sequel films um, over time. So there's sequel films. There's an there's an animated show, and there were video games and a comic book as well. Oh wow, I didn't know there was a show. Yeah, it was called it was called uh, uh, Roughnecks. I oh think, okay, if I remember correctly. I do know so. that in the third movie, a character who dies in this film shows up in the third one. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> so I don't remember exactly when I saw this movie. I couldn't remember if it was on TV or if we watched it on like an uh, HBO weekend or something. I don't know. I don't remember where, but I do remember that I watched this when I was probably too young to have watched it. <laughs> Way younger than you should have. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, the hallmark of, of our childhood. <laughs> mm hmm. So what about you? What, what do you, yeah, what else, uh, when you first saw this movie or whatever you remember when you were a kid? I can't say for sure, but I'm pretty sure I saw this in the theaters just because I remember my 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 buddy Al being excited about it coming out because he had read the book. And so I'm pretty sure I probably went to go see the movie with him mm-hmm. um, and maybe a few other of our friends. Um, but I definitely remember rewatching this a lot on VHS, probably yeah. on subsequent, you know, clean versioned TV mm-hmm. adaptations, as it were, or whatever. Um, I remember watching this quite a bit. Yeah. All right. So let's get into our scene by scene breakdown. And we begin with like a recruitment ad for the colonial. Well, I call not colonial Marines. (laughs) I literally wrote down (laughs) colonial Marines, but they're the Federation, but they look exactly like the colonial Marines. Right. um, From the aliens franchise. And there's more than one, I would say, 
not connection, but like, you know, uh, a similarity between those two groups. But it's, you know, their whole, I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part too, a little kid. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this, I think they, again, total satire of, we see a lot of kids playing with guns and like, oh, they're going to be, you know, they're loving their nation, you know, ultra nationalism and to be a, you know, be a citizen, you know, you, uh, it says service at the end of this line, at the end of this ad, it says service guarantees citizenship. So like in their society, you're not automatically a citizen. You're a civilian, but not a citizen. And I would assume rights to vote and other stuff like that. You either have to do forced military service or get it some other way. It's just interesting to me, you know, that they're kind of forcing military service on on all their people or mostly. I know there are some countries that do that. I think Israel is one that does that. You kind of have to do yes, military service. Yes, it is. Well, and because but, Israel is completely surrounded by its enemies. So Yeah. But it is a very, uh, you know, not to say Israel's fascist. That's obviously not what I'm trying to say here. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, though, like forced military service does have some fascist mentality and that uber right wing mentality to it although we i mean in to a degree we had forced military um service with sure. the draft yeah as it were yeah, yeah 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 and and there's a lot of people who are massively against that yes <laughs> so i'm not necessarily massively against it i'm just massively against the idea that if you're 18 you should be given all rights as a u.s citizen you shouldn't have to pay extra money for a uh, rental car you know if you're not over if you're under like 25 or something if you can if you get forced to go out and you know you should be able to drink or, or whatever like I, I think if they're forcing that age to be able to go out and you know oh you're an adult enough to go out and die for your country then you should be adult enough to do everything or raise the the, the age of the draft to 21 or mm-hmm. something is either or i'm fine with right but we don't need to get too political <laughs> this movie gets political enough for us right. uh so we get some exposition via this, like, kind of this web advertisement kind of thing that's seen throughout. Now, Verhoeven has done this stuff before, uh, particularly we saw it in RoboCop. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, are, he just really likes the style of having, like, these news segments or something like them, like cut-ins that kind of give you extra exposition of the world around you or even, like, the main storyline. So we find out there's this war with between these bugs and this bug planet clandathu and they're gonna have to go and destroy that to ensure earth's own safety uh, because the bugs can shoot these huge asteroids all the way towards us and stuff like that so uh, we cut to a reporter who's at the fight on clandathu and he gets savaged <laughs> by one of the bugs <laughs> i really like the bug design i do too it's i mean they're they look arachnid but also i don't know totally something different they're almost like a a tremor mm-hmm mixed with a spider if that makes sense yeah to me kind of they're kind of like um it kind of looks like the the mouth of like a beetle sometimes they have like those little pincers like vertical pincers like that but the body of of just any kind of other like bug or spider or anything like i totally get you know why they would call them arachnids but yeah it's, it's a very unique design but it works and they they look you know scary like you would not want to meet one up and up close in person Oh yeah, I mean they are huge, and they absolutely look like they could they could fuck you up, and they show that because they rip this guy basically in half. Then we see other just marines fighting and dying horribly, uh, and then we see this one guy get stabbed through the leg with one of like the the big kind of piercing jaws of one of them, and then we cut of the uh, bugs, and we cut to one year earlier, 
and we pick up with that soldier. We meet out. We meet him. It's Johnny Rico. He's in school. Uh, we meet his teacher, who's Ratschek, um, who's explaining to them about force and violence, and it's the uh, the pri- it's the driving problem solver of society. <laughs> that is the way we have solved our problems through time is by force, which obviously uh, very fascist mentality. At the same time, it's also kind of not wrong. I was to say it, it. It is unfortunately still true. Like when you don't have it, when you have a problem with another country, eventually diplomacy fails. And you just have to go blow them up, and it really sucks, mm-hmm. but that is humanity right now. And it may be for a long time until we either somehow get past weapons as the the, the final deciding factor. So uh, we meet his girlfriend, Carmen, and uh, his friend, Diz, and immediately you can tell that, you know, he's, he's in love with Carmen, Diz, you know. You can see he just keeps eyeing Johnny. Mm-hmm. Carmen uh, checks some grades after class, and she did great on her math scores. That's going to help her get into the flight academy, the fleet, the fleet as they call it. Uh, Johnny Rico, not so much. He got a thirty-five percent. <laughs> and <Jeez>. Carl, <laughs> Carl comes in uh, and shows uh, everybody just how dumb he is and how dumb he did, and and just overall some discussion about Diz having a crush on on Johnny and things like that. So. Then we cut to biology class, and the teacher is very interesting looking. <laughs> but uh, tell us who is playing that kind of freaky looking uh, science teacher, John. That is the one and only Blanche Devereaux, uh, <laughs> Miss uh, Rue McClanahan herself. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't know that until I think you told me like a couple years ago yeah. or something like that, and it, it shocked me, um, but it's so funny to see it, yeah. A real golden girl right there. So um, they're dissecting this big roach kind of bug thing. And it's got all these freaky organs that they're flopping around like crazy. Rico's having a good time with it. But though Carmen, uh, she's a little bit queasy from it. And she ends up puking, which everybody, particularly Diz, laughs at because mm-hmm. she's obviously not a fan of Carmen's. Carl, uh, we kn- we find out has some kind of like ro- mind reading abilities. I guess in this society, some either... People have developed brains so intelligent that they can do some kind of minor mind-reading stuff. Um, he tests Rico, who obviously doesn't have any mind-reading stuff, but Carl uses, uh, uses his uh, intelligence to tell his pet ferret to get out of the way and go mess with his mom. So just kind of funny. And he doesn't he can't control humans yet, yet. as he puts it. <laughs> So, all right, then cut to a sporting game, sports ball, uh, some kind of derivative of future football. This game here, uh, Rico is the star player and we meet this other kind of douchey guy on the other team, uh, named Xander. He's one of the opposing players. He's flirting with Cameron when he gets put into the stands and which obviously pisses off Rico Mm -hmm. because he really likes Carmen Rico and his team are behind. And so they've got to try to win. Um, Diz is on the team. She's like the quarterback of the team. She's badass. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking a, uh, and so they have one last play and they're going to do the flip six, three hole. Uh, and so they have to do that where Johnny does this, unbelievable flip over people uh, and he catches the ball and he scores and he wins the game. Yay. They won. It's one of those Uh, unreasonable plays where everything had to have lined up perfectly to execute it. Like, yeah, flipping over the other people. Like what if they hadn't, and then makes them run into each other. All this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
So one thing I, I, I did notice is uh, Adam. Apparently, in this fascist world, uh, you are getting your wish, and uh, everything is pushed back to later because clearly these people did not graduate high school until they were twenty five. <laughs> yeah, so it is kind of a weird spot because they talk. Uh, we're about to kind of talk about this this later. Actually, about this this very next scene because Rico's at home. He's getting dressed for the dance, and his parents aren't happy with him considering federal service. They say they want him to go to Harvard. So obviously, that is is you know if it's the same kind of thing, you assume that they're in high school right now mm-hmm. and they're going to college if it's going to Harvard. Um, but yeah, because they all look like they're in their early thirties. <laughs> uh, and and they're apparently in high school or something. Yeah. So the movie is supposed to take place in twenty one ninety seven. So okay. that's apparently apparently in the future you have to go to more school. I guess I think there actually are some some um, countries out there that you're that kind of their public school, like what school pays for, and that and mostly you know it, it takes care of is not just through high school. It's partly like you know to university and honestly the way education is adjusted where it's not you just have to have a high school degree to get even a decent job anymore you have to have at least a bachelor's degree to get kind of a decent job most of the times um seemingly and so it's the graduate degree is now the new bachelor's degree right and so maybe you know in a hundred years they'll kind of realize that and say like okay now high school just expands until you're 22 and then once you know you're in that stage, it goes through all that. Then graduate school is the what is the schooling is the new kind of college where it's not mandatory, but you can decide to do that or not. Mm-hmm. So maybe I don't know. I think they make some sense. Sure. So, but yeah, the parents uh, tempt Johnny with uh, instead of going into the federal service to a, a trip to Zegama Beach in the Outer Ring. So apparently some... The way the father says that is so ingrained in my head. You wanted to see the galaxy? How about a trip to the Outer Rings? Zegama Beach. Huh? <laughs> Zegama Beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's a dirty little secret or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, maybe it's like the Vegas of society. Maybe. So. Um, or Cancun and Vegas wrapped in one. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, at this big party, you know, Diz trying to flirt. She's trying to dance with Rico, but you know, she even asks, you know, why have we not gotten together? And he puts her in the friend zone hard, hard, <laughs> hard. Uh, Rico goes to talk to Razcheck and looks for advice on stuff. Uh, but Razcheck basically pushes Rico to make up his own mind with stuff. So, uh, Rico then goes to find Carmen. He sees her talking to fucking Xander, which this is kind of interesting. Xander obviously seemingly the same age as the rest of these guys, but he is immediately higher up in the service from everywhere else. Yeah. That was, How a, did that, that was another thing that didn't make any sense. Cause yeah, he said, Oh, I'm going off to the fleet, you know, after, after this. Okay, sure. But like they do too, right. like immediately after high school, they go right in, but yeah. he is a like commanding officer when she gets, well, there. he, be- he becomes an instructor. You're right. You're right. He's yeah. They they call him um, assistant instructor. Yeah, but it is clearly a higher rank. Yeah, and I I don't think he would have been that good that fast. It. I mean, yeah. It, through military, you still have to go through some some time to before you get um, promoted. Yeah, I mean, unless there's something where like maybe he was in some some form of ROTC program. Yeah, let's in give high school, it that. And that gave him a leg up going in. Maybe sure. Sure, we'll, we'll give it to that. Yeah, we'll, so. we'll have to fudge the facts a little. Yep. 
Um, but again, Rico is not excited and not happy that, you know, Xander is talking to his girl. But, uh, but you know, he gets Carmen away and starts making out with her on the on the floor, which Diz sees and is not happy about. And Rico tells Carmen that he's decided he's going to sign up. He is going to join the Federation, um, which obviously, you know, can tell he's he's thinking about Carmen for that. So uh, the next day, Rico, Carl and Carmen, they swear an oath to the Federation. They have their hands up and do all that. Carmen is going to be a pilot. Carl is going into military intelligence. Holy crap. He's something special. Uh, and Rico, the infantry, mobile infantry. He's just going to he, he's just going to be a grunt. Um, I do like kind of like the seemingly foreshadowing here. Maybe not necessarily foreshadowing, but like just the setup of the guy who kind of <laughs> signs them in. Right. Is like, you know, hey, uh, mobile infantry. Good for you. It's made me the, the man I am today. And Rico looks. This guy has both legs missing and an arm. And it's just like, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that they're kind of they're kind of the fodder mm-hmm. uh, mobile infantry. Fleet does the flying, MI does the dying. Uh, we're going to hear that later. So, all right. Uh, Carmen uh, has them make a vow that they'll always be friends with they'll do is which is uh, what they do, and of course that'll never go wrong. <laughs> but uh, Rico's father wants him to quit. He doesn't want him to be in the uh, Federation, and he cuts him off. He, he says, "Nope, you're you're. I'm not going to be." paying for anything anymore you're cut off from the family basically and his parents overall they think that he's doing it for carmen which yeah he is he even kind of admits right there but you know he's still gonna move through with it so uh johnny meets her at this kind of travel station and you know they have to say their goodbyes because they're going to different places and he says i love you she doesn't say it back at first Mm -hmm. until he kind of presses and when she does it's it's forced it's kind of not not a particularly strong I love you, so that that should have told him something. But but uh, she heads out. He is uh, he's he's distracted by the good looks of Denise Richards. So I get that. We get another propaganda ad. This one has kids playing with guns. <laughs> They're just having these. Things. They're picking up different ammo and playing with the guns and fighting over it. Yeah, fighting over it. Um, some more about kind of the. I think it's also showing us some more about the current media and entertainment in society. Um, they're showing like you know. It's part news, part entertainment where mm-hmm. they're going over this guy's trial and then they're like execution tonight at six. So yeah. like it's such a warped thing in, in this this in their world of entertainment and news that you will also see these people die. You will see the executions, which is a morbid thought. Yeah. So. Uh, and and how fast the trial went. Trial went yeah. through in one day and then his execution was going to be that night. Exactly. Um, and that is, it's basically you're living in a military state at that point. So, and I do love though, they, they, they show this weird, like, uh, this, they're slaughtering, they're showing a bug, like, you know, how dangerous a bug can be. And they put it in a like a pen with a cow and it just des- destroys the cow. But it has a big sensor to block over it because it's on TV. Which actually he had to put because of PETA. Oh, really? I, I think originally his plan was to show it, uh, but gotcha. PETA objected, so. Oh, of course they objected. Fucking PETA. Did they object to the uh, roach squashing scene later? I don't know. I'm sh- I'm sure there was something about that. I I wondered that because I don't know they would have gotten away with that at the time. I, I, were they? Were they? They looked like they were real roaches. I know that's the thing. I'm not sure. <laughs> I and I never checked to see if no animals were harmed in the making of this movie. <laughs> I don't know because I it, we'll talk about, it, but it sure as shit looked like they were stomping some real fucking roaches, and that doesn't bother me one bit because I fucking hate roaches. Right. A murderer was captured this morning and tried today. Guilty. 
Sentence, death. Execution tonight at 6, all net, all channels. Would you like to know more? Would you like to know more? Um, that's just... <laughs> I gotta say that they always say to me that's one of those like lines I always think about with this movie. Right. So, all right. In the mobile infantry, we meet the drill sergeant Zim, uh, who is their instructor, and he's a hard ass. He's uh, kind of like Arlie Ermy's character from Full Metal Jacket, but he's even more of a physical presence, mm-hmm. I would say, because you know he he just man he looks fucking good. He you know he tells all of his troops you know who of you think you can knock me down, and then this big guy comes out uh, named Breckenridge and he's played by Eric uh, Bruscotter uh, which John you might remember from Major League 2 and 3 that's the thing I remember him the most from actually is those movies yep he was also in uh, Crimson Tide Dragon uh, the Bruce Lee story some other stuff mm-hmm. too but so yeah and Zim just shows his skills immediately he, he <laughs> kind of twists him down and then snaps his arm breaks his arm and just every time you see Zim you know you're going to hear him scream uh- Medic! <laughs> After he just kicks the shit out of everybody. So a couple of interesting things. Um, one, I realized about this point in the movie that this was the first time my son had seen, because he did watch this with me. Uh, yes, I'm I'm a horrible parent. Um, <laughs> he's 14. Yeah, Well, almost. Not quite, but he's, he's, oh, almost, that's right, he's almost. almost there. That he had never seen extreme violence uh. in a movie yet like this. Like some of the scene, some of the battle scenes, like, oh man, he, he brutal, brutal, and the and I remember I heard an audible gasp when you see the arm twist when he breaks it, uh-huh. and it I, it happened a few other times uh, in in the movie, and I'm like, oh, I, this is the first time where he's seen like really this like gross, mm-hmm. like violent, overtly violent style. Um, yeah. Which was interesting, and the other thing I just I just actually saw this, and I thought this was interesting. Um, so the uh, military um, advisor on the film was actually another. He was someone who was in the military, but he was another actor. Uh, his name was Dale Dye. He was actually one of the generals in the war room in Under Siege that we just oh, talked about. Okay. So he was in that one. And apparently he's been in a ton of movies. He was in the first mission impossible movie. He was in platoon. He was in casualties of war. So he has actual military experience. So I think they've Hollywood really utilized that, um, mm-hmm. with him and he'll, he will be cool. an actor as well as a military advisor on those types of films. That's pretty, you know, I'm going back to thinking about your son is a very, He's a sweet kid. He is a very like sweet he is kid. not he is not combative. He is not aggressive. You know, he's just he's just a good kid who doesn't really I couldn't see him ever really wanting to harm someone. Right. <laughs> so yeah, seeing a, uh, his um reactions to to all the violence would be interesting. So. Uh all right, so Diz apparently comes in. She is transferred, requested transfer to this unit. And Zim, who's the hardest, what makes you think you're good enough? And so she takes off kind of her jacket. She takes on Zim. She even gets in a hit, slaps him across the face, kind of a backhand across the face. But then he gets the best of her pretty quickly after that Mm -hmm. and chokes her out. At lunch, uh, we see and kind of meet Ace a little bit. He's a dick. He's trying to skip the line, but Rico steps up to him and pushes him. They end up pushing him back. And Ace is the kind of guy that, you know, he respects people who step up to him. So he's like, yeah, we're going to be buddies. He's uh, he's immediately kind of connected to Rico after that. Um, and Rico talks to Diz. And, you know, he's pretty sure she's just tagging along for him, which we know is the case, of course. Yeah. She 
she likes him and so she wants to be there. We do see some competition between Ace and Rico for squad leader. Uh, we do we get to a, a knife throwing training and Ace sucks. He can't do knife throwing. He doesn't understand why you need a knife in a nuke fight. All you have to do is press a button. And then Zim steps up, man, like the way training, you cannot do this kind of training now, but you know, in a couple years like this, apparently you can just really fuck up your guys. Also, they have the, you assume they have great medic mm-hmm. staff on this, you know, here at this training because they can, you know, get injuries healed quicker. Uh, but Zim shows him why it's important. Put your hand on that wall. <laughs> and so uh, Ace does and Zim throws the knife into it. Great line. The enemy cannot push a button if you disable his hand. This was one of a few verbal oh my gods that I got from my son after seeing uh. that. <laughs> yeah, Zim is... Um, he, uh, he wouldn't be considered a good leader right now, the way he hurts everybody, but he's definitely teaching them lessons. That's for sure. They're learning, for sure. Oh, yeah. So uh, then we get a shower scene. We get a co-ed shower scene. Uh, one of the scenes that I remember uh, probably were from when I was uh, your son's age watching right. this one. Right. Um, yeah, they're all just in the showers together and they, uh, they're they talking about how why they joined up and whatnot. Riku gets defensive when he gets asked because uh, it's uh, because of a girl, which Diz says that she lets them all know because of that. But yeah, we get uh, Dina Meyer topless. We get other good-looking people topless everybody is pretty good looking yeah paul verhoven is um dutch um and he mm-hmm. very much has that european mentality on nudity where it's like it's mm-hmm. really not that big deal uh, he was quoted as saying americans get more upset about nudity than ultra violence i'm constantly yeah. amazed about that i ha- i mean i haven't seen any sex scenes in american films that are anything other than completely boring a bare breast is more difficult to get through the censors than a body riddled with bullets. And he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. It is interesting because it's, it's it's extremely natural. You know, the human body, in all its beauty, in all its hideousness, it's a natural thing. And we shouldn't get freaked out by a bare chest, especially because you can go down the street and see a guy running topless and you don't think twice. Right. But you see a woman who's walking tapless. Oh, God, it's the worst thing in the world. How dare you cover it up? And it's it's bullshit. I will. I'm totally going to say. And it's it's because of misogynistic religious tropes and Quaker tropes and yeah. stuff like that, that, you know, Christian things that were thrown in that, you know, women have to cover up, be covered up. And, you know, it, it's it's bullshit. It's absolute crap. But it's still it doesn't mean it didn't affect me. Right. I still see a booby and I get excited. I know. And I, <laughs> I get that. But it, it reminded me a little bit of um, when I did Drum and Bugle Corps because you're basically with the same group of people in a very enclosed space for a long amount of time. You get on the bus. You're mm. always on the bus with them. Um, you know, you're going from basically school to school, which is usually where you stay. And then you just use the communal showers. Now, we were separated males and females in the shower. However, like on the bus, you know, that is usually where you lived. So that that's where everything else happened. You like you went on the bus to change and do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And after a while, everyone just stopped giving a shit about mm-hmm. what anyone else was seeing. And people would just fucking just change right there on the bus or in the gym. Like nobody cared anymore. And kind of that mm-hmm. communal lifestyle as it were. And it kind of tells to me like, yeah, it really isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. You know, the first time yeah. you see a, a woman like, 
you know, quickly change your bra in the gym, you're like, oh God. And then after a while, you're like, eh, it's old hat. It's, it's yeah. we're just, we're just living at that point. Sure. I know that's like a lot of like theater, theater kids, you know, cause they have to do quick change for stuff like that. They don't have time to like, you know, feel ashamed right. by it. You know, you just, you got to fucking do it and keep moving on. And so uh, I knew that was a thing, yeah. which is always why I should have known I should have become a theater. Kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, all right. Um, uh, at the bunk, Rico sends a message to Carmen, things like that. So he's still trying to keep that uh, that relationship going. Uh, we then see some of her story. We cut to her, and she and this fellow fleet ca- uh, cadet are racing to the ship because, you know, whoever gets to help fly. And uh, I'm sure you recognize that other uh, cadet that's kind of her friend in this, in this Yes, movie. that is the beautiful Amy Smart. Yep, Amy Smart. She pops up in a lot of stuff, and she's fantastic. So they kind of follow them around the station as they get in. Carmen, uh, we see, is a talented, if not a reckless pilot. And she's very confident, for sure. So she's good at what she does. And she's going to fly the big ship that day. And so she gets on board of the big ship. We meet the captain, played by Brenda Strong, who is Sue Ellen Mischke in Seinfeld, the brawless wonder. <laughs> and, uh, and the second in command, Xander. Huh, he's the one who made this happen. So interesting. Uh, so he got Carmen on, you know, his group. You know, she takes out the ship and she's cutting things a little bit close. Uh, I guess she's just, again, she's a little, maybe a little reckless. Definitely showing off, trying to show off her skills. Um, she kind of pops the gas or, or sorry, the, uh, yeah, like the uh, gas lines or vents or whatever the heck those were that those go off and then barely clears the wall, which I always thought this scene was strange. They're in space. Mm-hmm. And she's backing it up like a car. Right. She can just go up. Right. <laughs> also, there's nothing behind her. There is no reason why she has to start turning that soon. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, but she's doing well. Basically, she's just kind of showing off her skills. Uh, we got cut back to the infantry, and there's a training exercise this time uh, with kind of like stun guns, laser guns. Think like uh, you know. They, they zap you, and then you kind of just get disabled for a little bit. Rico and Diz are trapped. They're kind of, they're pinned in. And she says, yeah, we, how are we going to get out of this? Do this, the, do the flip six, three hole. So Diz gives him the idea, and he does it. And he jumps over the guys and beats them and then captures the flag. Yay, he uh, he's proved his worth, and he gets to be squad leader. Uh, Mail comes in, and Rico gets a video from Carmen. And everybody's, woo, yeah, good-looking Carmen. How'd you land that? And then she breaks up with him <laughs> in the video. Poor bastard. Uh, Ace has a nice little line. Funny how they always want to be friends after they rip your guts out. Kind of true. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the next uh, exercise that these guys are going to go through is a live fire exercise. Uh, and Breckenridge, while they're doing it, Breckenridge is having some helmet malfunction. He kind of walks in front of Diz, you know, dangerously, but he can't see properly. So Rico, a squad leader, is trying to fix the situation, has him remove the helmet so he can maybe fix it and move on. But at that time, this other uh, soldier gets hit by one of the laser things and she falls back but fires her gun on accident and it goes and it shoots the hell out of Breckenridge's head. <laughs> this This was the scene where I could see my son like actually get uncomfortable, like seeing like the brain matter just and just being shocked Mm -hmm. by it. Yeah. He's dead. 
He's very, he's very, very dead. He actually asked me later. He's like, "Is he going to be okay?" I'm like, "No, no, no. <laughs> he's dead." <laughs> but did he die? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's dead. Oh yeah. Uh, so Rico gets court court martialed and scolded um, by the commanding officer played by Dean Norris, who I of course know from Breaking Bad. Uh, he's a good actor. You've seen him in a lot of stuff. And we see that the woman who accidentally killed Breckenridge is leaving. She's going down washout lane, as they call it. Rico is going to get administrative punishment for this. And so he's going to get 10 lashes to kind of show that he really fucked up. Uh, Zim gives him a piece of leather to bite down on it and says, it helps. Trust me. Which I think is a nice little thing. It shows that Zim might have had to deal with some either kind of similar situations or moments when he was younger and he probably went through these lashes before. And so it has a nice little connection there. That is the one. I 100% think that is exactly what happened. And Mm -hmm. I I think, and there's a moment, I didn't mention it before, but the moment when Ace or we first kind of like confronts them at the the lunch line, Mm -hmm. Zim is in the back actively watching the engagement to see what will happen. And I think he sees himself in Rico. Yeah. And that, I think that's why he was so quick to want to give him a a, uh, a squad to see him succeed. Because yeah. I think he sees himself in them. And I think that just this line right here just furthers that, mm-hmm. that same sentiment. Wholeheartedly agree. Uh, so as Rico's getting the lashings, uh, we do see that Ace is now the squad leader, apparently in the group. So we cut back to the ship with Carmen uh, and her and Xander. They're getting even closer. You know, they're really working well together and also see that she's impressing him with her navigation skills and all this kind of stuff. But unfortunately, in this new path they're at, they hit a gravity field and there's an asteroid. And apparently these asteroids are shot from the bugs, as I mentioned previously, and they have to do an emergency evasion from it and they barely escape. But they do they do get out of it. Uh, back to infantry, Rico. Oh, hold on, I want to. I want to. Something has always bothered me about that scene. You spend all this time watching the computer and the gravity field. That when it pans up to the asteroid, it is in full view. <laughs> yeah. At what point did the did it just appear at that point, mm-hmm. or has it been coming at them this whole time? Because it seems to me like they could have been moving a lot sooner. Well, also, why were they counting down to I know. move? <laughs> Just fucking go. The asteroid. The asteroid isn't. Yeah. Go, it's. It's not going to change its trajectory. It's space. It's yes. space. You have multiple dimensions at which you could move. Just get out of the fucking. What, what are you timing? Yeah, they counted it. It's exactly. And it's like if you just went earlier, you might not have gotten that top part of the ship right cut off. Which also, typically, I thought. Now, granted, it's spaceships, so they're not. You know, they're they're fake. But those high points on the ship, aren't those typically where like the bridges are? On, where, <laughs> on most yeah. ship designs, yes. Even even in fake spaceships, the higher yes. points are typically where the bridge is. So you can see everything because <laughs> yeah. so you can pilot the ship. Like that's the part that breaks off. I'm like, oh, that's them. That should be them. They're dead. But it's not, I guess. Yeah. So. That, I always found that to be weird. And it, I mean, you could make a justification that maybe that they couldn't burn the afterburners cold or something like that, but they gave us no uh, indication that they had to warm them sure. up or something like that. So, because yeah. it just seems like they were counting down to the last possible yeah. second for no reason. Yeah. yeah. People probably died because of that. Uh, probably. But, but, but uh, the captain commends uh, them for their evasive actions. So, all right. Uh, back at infantry, Rico's packing up. Um, after his lashings, he feels humiliated and he's going to go wash out. 
Diz is unhappy with him on that. She obviously wants him to stay, but um, he makes the call to his parents. Um, he's going to go home and he talks to them. Uh, but while they're talking, things get really dark. You know, they're, huh, wonder why it's so dark in the middle of the day. And the connection gets terminated. Huh, weird. Rico starts walking out towards Washout Lane and the entire facility starts going crazy. Apparently there's a big announcement. Asteroids that were shot from the bugs took out Buenos Aires, which is where Rico and Carmen and, and all them are from, our protagonists are from. Goddamn bugs whacked us, Johnny. The goddamn bugs whacked us, Johnny. So for I some reason that line. I, that, <laughs> I do like the line. I also like the line, war, we're going to war. Yeah. Even before he knows what's happening, he just uh-huh. thinks we're going to war. My son at the point when they announced that this was Buenos Aires and showed where the thing was, he goes, oh, so I guess everyone in the world just speaks English now? Yeah. I mean, you could admit that. I mean, absolutely. Everybody speaks English now. Everybody, you know, I think the Federation, it's a world, a singular world government yes, now yes. as well. And that, that was what I was trying to explain to him is that's what it was. Also, like, they, the names of the characters are very sort of spanish-oriented flores yeah. rico flores that's Ibanez, the, Ibanez, Ibanez, or yeah Ibanez, yeah so i could see how they're making connection although like it just it just made it seem like you know nobody had any kind of accent so apparently spanish just was not a thing anymore sure yeah <laughs> so i, I would assume but yeah so, i, I was trying I mean, to explain to him i was like yeah it's it's kind of like in futurama where it's it's the world it's not countries anymore yes yeah i mean it's further tying into the fascist idea of one way is the only way right uh, and so, you know, you can't have, for Hitler, the Christians and the Jews. And so we'll wipe out everything else. You can't have Hispanic, you know, Spanish languages. It's just one that takes over. English is one, mm-hmm. this one. So, uh, but with uh, Buenos Aires being taken out, this is the motivation Rico needs to stay. So he goes and talks to Zim and the commanding officer uh, who, you know, he's already signed the paperwork. He should already be gone. Um, but Zim, again, Probably because he sees something in him. He sees something in Rico. He rips up the paperwork. Mm-hmm. And I do like the commander just kind of turns his back on it. You know, he says... I think he knows he, what Zim's about to do. do. He just He's like, I'm not going to be complacent, but I know what you're going to do. Yep. And Zim even wants to join the combat. Uh, but uh, but the commanding officer is like, no, I won't have it. You, he needs you there. He's a great trainer, obviously. Yep. Um, the only way you do that is you're going to bump yourself down to private. That, Keep that in That's mind. a good setup. That's a really good it setup. It is. Uh, report. We got a report on what's going on about, you know, we see all this kind of different kind of report. Sorry. Uh, we get another one of those kind of like um, Verhoeven reports and kind of news reports that pop in. Uh, I do. I've always thought this is a funny ass line. The only good bug is a dead bug. The only good bug is a dead bug. Uh, this <laughs> like this homelessy looking guy says that <laughs> my my son, he loves movies. He loves TV. They ju- my son and daughter just recently watched all of Home Improvement. Oh, okay. they just went. That was like their new show that they loved watching. And my son saw that. And he goes, "Is that Richard Carn?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> buddy, <laughs> no, not even no. a little." It bit. It was actually John Davidson who's one of the producers. Okay, uh, of the movie. So, um, but we find out. Yeah, there's a scar, a Sky Marshal who's his plan of attack. You know, on Clendathu, they're going to move towards and try to to kill that. Or to, to destroy that planet. So um, then we see uh, what Carl's been up to. He kind of just part, in part of this little video section. Uh, he's wanting to learn about the bugs. And we show us, you know, to try and teach them how to kill the bugs. So we then also cut to these kids stomping on the roaches that we saw. Um, this is a particularly maniacal 
scene, partly because the teacher is laughing so <laughs> insanely. Um, but also it's just like, holy shit, like these people are like legitimately stomping on roaches. And to this day, I can't tell if they were real or not. They looked like real roaches to mm-hmm. me. And there's the big fat ones that are really gross and I can't stand them. Yeah. So, so uh, then we see uh, that reporter from earlier. He's interviewing the infantry. You know, just different people around the infantry. Rico comes in at the end. I'm from Buenos Aires, and I say, kill them all. You know, they're all very hyped up. They're ready to go kill these bugs. Uh, Carmen sees uh, Rico. They're all kind of on this space station right now. Kind of they're prepping for the battle, uh, you know, just off of Clendathu. Uh Carmen sees Rico, and they talk. Uh, then Xander steps in, you know, because he's basically with her now, which pisses off Rico. And Xander's a dick to him. And so they end up fighting. And so, you know, they have this this, this whole infantry and fleet don't mix, is what Dizzy says, but it's pretty much true. Uh, And then Rico, Diz, and Ace, and this other guy, they're kind of getting a little drunk before, you know, the pre-war, the night before war, and they all get tattoos together. They uh, go into these drop ships, and they load out, and they're kind of the guy who's leading their squad. I do like his line. You kill anything that has more than two legs. You get me. We get you, sir. So they're moving forward. Meanwhile, we see these bugs. I called them ass blasters, but I think there's also, that's a thing from (laughs) tremors, but there's these big, huge, they shoot like this plasma out their ass. Yeah. Up into the sky, which is taking down some of the big ships. Carmen has to fly through this mess, uh, but she kind of gets hit. Apparently we're not sure what's happened at this point, but we also find out later. It's barely hurt at all. They're fine. (laughs) Sorry, sorry to spoiler alert there, but uh, so the mobile infantry lands and they bust out and it's time to shoot some bugs. And first they kind of nuke, nuke these big ass blaster bugs and then have to fight the soldier bugs, as I call them, and which are kind of the, the main ones we see. But the uh, main problem is that sometimes. All right. So I, I do want to talk a little bit about the graphics here mm-hmm. in general, when they're not having to do like the 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 big bugs or like the bugs that we'll see later the brain bug in particular mm-hmm. the actual like soldier bugs the arachnids i think the the actual animals if you will themselves look fantastic and still hold up today i totally agree like they look better than a lot of the stuff i'm seeing on marvel now yeah <laughs> which is insane yeah the, the the problems come with when you have like um you can tell you have to, if like if someone's on them and they have to have a digital double. Yes, I like, I noticed several ones of the digital double were like okay that is clearly a CGI person and it looks yeah. like it. Mm-hmm. But the bugs look really good. Part of the problem though, I think it might have been either where the direction, well the actual direction of where their guns are. Um, there are some shots that I saw that the people they couldn't tell they weren't given a good enough um, reference point mm-hmm. to, Hey, here's where to shoot. And so I see people, some shooting, some like you're shooting into the sky. You should be shooting at the bug. And it's just because they didn't, they didn't have that. Also, print. apparently nobody aims and just yeah. shoots from the hip. Yeah. Shoot from the hip. I guess that, yeah, that too. They, no one looks down. They just like they, they commando it, was, it. It was only the ones who had like that sniper with the big giant, uh, uh-huh. scope on it where they actually would look down. Well, maybe they have heat seeking bullets now, John. I don't know. Well, actually, they're they're bugs, so they're. I was gonna say they wouldn't be. Oh yeah. shit! That, yeah, cold blood seeking. I don't know. So, um, but then they get these shit ton of bugs come in, and Ace, who is the squad leader, doesn't know what to do. Kill them! Kill them all! Kill them! Kill them all! Says Rico, and <laughs> they have to do. They have to go in there, but uh, multiple people are dying horrifically. 
in this scene. I could see this being another one where your son just because this is this is the scene that it started off the movie basically. Yeah. Um, we see a person get dragged into a tunnel. Um, weirdly, I think it's a nice little setup here. They're not they're not torn up. They just get dragged into a tunnel. Like okay. And you know what? Up until this last viewing, I'd never given that scene much thought, but this time I'm sure. like, oh, okay. They are setting up that they're taking them away. Yeah. For things, and I was like, oh, that's that's cool. I'm I'm. It had been a while since I'd seen this, so mm-hmm. I hadn't noticed that before. But this time, knowing what is going to happen, it was a good little setup. I just missed it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't think about it exactly. You don't know. So, uh, so they have to retreat. Um, but as they do, this is we get you know a repeat of that scene from the from before. We just see it from like from a different perspective, where the reporter gets picked up and he gets ripped in half, uh, and Rico ends up getting stabbed through the thigh seemingly left behind to die we kind of end with a bug coming at him which you think he's dead so we and cut he, to the he makes a very very big uh, medical mistake that you should never ever do which i get it while he was panicking but oh pulling uh, it out he pulling it out yes if something if something goes into your body you should definitely leave it there until the doctors get a chance to look at it because if you pull it out you're gonna bleed out Sure, and that, that was up. that was a giant hole in his thigh where the femoral artery was. Artery was. Yes, I I think he would have been long dead before they got to him at that point. Probably. Very possible. So yeah, we see the bodies in the aftermath. I mean, just tons of you know fake human bodies and body parts everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the sky marshal resigns because of this one, and a new sky marshal charges. To beat the bug, we need to understand the bug, and so that's that's. Uh, she also has some setup that there's um, potential smart bug out there. So they're yeah peppering this stuff in as well that they're going to look for. Um, we do find that Carmen and her ship is beaten up, but they're alive and they're mm-hmm. fine. And just overall, this was a massacre. Um, then we cut back to the space station, and she Carmen goes and she checks the list of casualties. Just tons of casualties. Johnny Rico is on the list. He's dead. But then we cut to him. Not being dead. <laughs> he is in a healing tank. He's in a, he's in a back to tank. Exactly. He's in a back <laughs> to tank. And there's like this kind of like robot arm that is regrafting his thigh together. So he is alive. And we see Diz and Ace kind of like, hey, buddy, you're dead. But he's, he gives a thumbs up. He's okay. I, I think definitely Diz and probably Ace went back to find him and, and they saved him. You know, we well, don't no, see they, it. They tell us what happens. Oh, I'm, what, what did they say? It was it was Ratchek, Ratchek. That company is what saved. They when they meet up with them, they talk about the 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 new lieutenant before they real before they reveal that it's Ratchek. Yeah. See, they I, go, I, I he goes something. She goes. Different. He saved your ass. I took it to mean that he was the one. They were the ones who actually saved Johnny because everyone everyone else in his yeah. team was gone. That's what I took it to mean. Okay, I I didn't I didn't take it as that, but maybe maybe that's it. So yeah, so maybe Ratchek and his company saved him so okay all right i'll allow that uh back on well which actually also makes sense as to why he would have joined because ratchet would have seen him there and said okay i want them on my group and he moved them over okay i'll allow yeah i never never made that connection so so after he's healed uh diz enrico and ace report to this new squad and yeah i do want to call it one of the new soldiers is uh sugar watkins is played by seth gilliam uh, and I've seen him from The Wire and The Walking Dead. He plays that. I hated his character on The Walking Dead. He yeah. was the um, the, uh, the the preacher. Preacher, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, but I like him in The Wire. But uh, Rico finds out that Zegama Beach has been destroyed. Basically, you know Zegama Beach that he was going to go <laughs> hang out at. 
Ace mentions that he heard that their lieutenant's a real nutbuster, and one of the soldiers, I think it's the uh, the female who yeah. is the squad leader or whatnot, she punches the shit out of Just him. Just clocks him. Yeah, but it, she says, you know, he saved my life. He saved my life. Who do you think saved your ass? So I didn't make that connection, but I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I've always found the... Uh, the whole sort of he saved my life thing a little bit cheesy and then just even more when someone in the background goes mine too like <laughs> I, was, I found that to be cheesy writing but sure sure uh so yeah in comes lieutenant and it, the lieutenant and it's Razcheck. great line from him this is for you new people i only have one rule everyone fights no one quits if you don't do your job i'll shoot you do you get me we get you sir Welcome to the Roughnecks. Rockcats, Roughnecks! He is, I mean, Rico has been lucky enough to be surrounded by badass guys this entire time. All right, so their next mission is they're going to go in and they're going to mop up after some bombing of bugs, which they do. Watkins enjoys it a bit too much as he's just shooting the shit out of them. <laughs> Ain't much to look at when you scrape them off your boot. He's uh, He really is in the right profession, I would say, <laughs> for him. Yeah. They end up, uh, they nuke a, a bug hole and whatnot. And just in general, they're doing a great job working together. Uh, then busts up this huge tanker bug, which comes out and it shoots molten lava, which burns off the hand of the current team leader. Uh, so Rico jumps in. He gets up on like a cliff, jumps on its back, and then shoots a little hole into its like top of its back, throws in a bomb, and you know, basically another flip six, three hole kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, and then jumps off of it, blows the motherfucker up. Um, you know, how'd you learn to do that? Back in school, sir. Don't you remember? I was captain of the team. So now, uh, Razcheck? I need a corporal. You're it until you're dead, or until I find somebody better. So now he is a corporal, and he makes Diz his um, squad leader. That night, uh, the lieutenant lets his squad party. So this is the kind of guy that, you know, you do appreciate. He expects you guys to work hard, but he allows you guys to play hard, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ace plays uh, violin for a little bit, and Diz wants to dance with Rico, but Rico, he's not feeling it at first, so he walks away, and Razcheck finally gives him some advice. It says, never pass up a good thing. So there you go, obviously talking uh, about Diz. So Rico kind of reconsiders. He goes and dances with her, and then we cut to them in the bunk, and they're going to continue some fun. They declothe, sexy. And uh, she tells him that she loves him. He doesn't say anything back. Uh, and they're about to get started. Then Raschek busts in. There's been a distress call that they're needing to go report in 10 minutes. And then he notices that Rico's with somebody. Uh, make it 20 minutes. <laughs> they kind of <laughs> laugh. Oh, we can do it. And so they're going to they're gonna bang real quick before they go on, which is Of course, funny. 20 minutes. Yeah, hell yeah, we can get it done in 20 minutes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. I haven't lasted twenty you, minutes. In I was gonna say, while. what are you gonna do with the what are you gonna do with the remaining eighteen minutes? <laughs> like it. So the team is back uh, on like a, a bug controlled planet, uh, looking for this general. Apparently, we see the uh, communications officer gets picked up and grabbed by a flying bug and obviously injured intensely. Uh, Rastrak grabs somebody else's weapon and the guy is just screaming, "Help me! Help me!" Rastrak shoots him and kills him says i'd expect anyone in this unit to do the same for me so obviously if you're you'd rather he'd rather you guys kill him or kill you know or kill one of you than have y'all suffer basically and die and die by a bug they enter this outpost and it has been a massacre 
and then bugs come in from a hole apparently and rico sees this weird bug he hasn't seen before as he's looking through it's kind of like this like roach but it's got some weird markings and other stuff like that and then lieutenant raschek is shown a guy with a hole in his head they're all looking through what's going on they sucked his brains out and this was just cheesy, but they know what they were doing with it. Yes, absolutely. So then there's a noise. It's a general. The general that they were looking for is hiding in a cabinet. He's gone crazy, uh, it seems like. But he is played by Marshall Bell. We know him from Total Recall or Recall. Uh, he's the guy who had Quato on Quato. on him. Yeah. He was also in Stand By Me. He was the father. Yep. And he was in Twins as well. Um, if you remember that he, he was the guy, he was like the assassin. I think that they have. Oh yeah. At the, at the end that, yeah. they, that was going after Danny DeVito. Yes. I do remember yeah. that. So, but they, they find out that this, uh, distress call was a trap because they apparently have bugs that can fuck with their head. Obviously one of them fucked with the general's head and he's just freaking out. Oh God, we're going to die. Don't you understand? We're <laughs> all going to die. And Raschek slaps him. <laughs> I do like that. But the bugs are coming, and they're coming fast. Another great line from Raschek. Come on, you apes! You want to live forever? Come on, you apes! You want to live forever? And so they have to defend, and it's just it's just a horde of bugs, like an insane amount coming and, at and them. The answer is is yes. I do want to live forever. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, the bugs they're fighting their way in. Um, we're seeing that these flying ones are, you know flying in and taking people out rico shoots one of the flying ones that ends up landing on the general kind of a funny little moment there i like that one rico gets on comms he's having dizzy help so they're getting on communications um and they need a a pilot to come get him which is like that's crazy and he's like oh yeah hope you have a crazy pilot so hopefully someone's going to come and get them they have to fall back into the compound to try and delay for evac and they're shooting uh, as the bugs are surrounding them transport flies in they're saved we see it's carmen and xander who have come in for him. Um, but Raschek, something comes from underground and grabs him. And he's very, it's very Quint in Jaws aspect, mm-hmm. or, you know, even like very Tremors, obviously, come from underground. And he's like getting eaten. He gets ripped in half and he just goes to Rico, you know what you have to do. And Rico shoots him. Um, just like what Raschek went. He'd rather die that way than die from a bug. And we find out the big bug that comes up, it's a tank bug. Diz, though, is able to throw a big old bomb down its throat and so that blows it up and she's running back to the evac but another one of the soldier bugs comes in stabs her through a couple places in her abdomen she yeah, is like fucked. four times or something yeah and they end up they do get her eventually you know the bug off of her and get her into the transport they lift off and diz is not doing well she's dying it's all right though she tells you though i'm dying johnny i'm dying johnny <laughs> it's all right because i got to have you <laughs> Is One night though? of sex with Rico is all you need. Yeah, I think living would have been more important. <laughs> yeah, it would have been better, but but she dies. She she's gone. And Carmen, who is flying, Xander lets her know that her friend Rico is is in the back, that he's alive. So apparently, there were a lot more scenes shot with Xander and Carmen mm-hmm. developing their relationship, and the test audiences started to hate Carmen by the end of it, that she was having a relationship so quickly after the end of just breaking yeah. up with Rico and then him dying. So they had to take all those scenes out. I agree with the audience on this she one. She does not come off to me no. as a good person. 
No, uh, she exactly. She's overconfident. She is annoying, and she's um, she's she is harsh to our protagonist. Yeah, I don't think she ever really cared about Johnny, and yeah. I don't. I think she led him on for longer than she should have because he clearly loved her. Yeah, she like tolerated him because yeah. even you know even when even in the in the football scene when she runs up to kiss Johnny, she looks at Xander. She doesn't exactly like kind of give him like flirty eyes, but she mm. holds on him longer than I think would have been necessary if she really loved, you know, uh, yeah, Rico. It, it's clear that she, she didn't, yeah, but she does but not, also, she does not come off as a good person. No, I, and I'm not sure she loves Xander and I don't really care if she loves Xander. I mean, I think she just loves herself and, and that's it. So, all right. In space, uh, they see some big operation is about to go down. Um, Diz has a funeral service and Rico speaks and then her casket is jettisoned out into space. Uh, Carl comes in. We haven't seen Carl in a while and he is looking like a German SS fucking officer. His nickname on set was Doogie Himmler. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Cause, yeah, because it looks very SS, he which looks is very on, SS. which and is on purpose. On pr- of course, on purpose. But also, I think uh, there's a subtle thing with his makeup. Um, they kind of make his eyes a little bit darker. I noticed that there's like there's a little bit of like a ring around it, like he's almost aged a little bit. Yes, it's, I think it's yeah, he's seen some shit, and mm. you know he's had to make he already he says it right here. He's had to make hard decisions about sending people like you to your death. They he's him as in being someone in charge. He's already he's gone through a lot of very difficult mental stress mm-hmm. in this, as opposed to the, the the mobile infantry that has to go through a lot of physical stress. So they're going to go uh, back, apparently, to capture this suspected brain bug that they think is around on that planet. Carl asks Rico uh, if he would like the lieutenant position because Razchek's dead. He says, I'll take it until I get killed or you find someone better. You know, obviously, he's he's repeating lines that his former mentees or mentors have uh, have kind of said before. So he's learning some stuff. But also... Pretty much every position that Rico gets, it's, you know, it's because someone died and he just, he steps into the next one. But that's, uh-huh. that's that, that is that role of the army for him. Yep, that's so. the world he lives and it in. Fe- the thing is, it feels like it moves crazy fast. But I think, I think the span of this movie is probably over some, a, a few years or at least like one year. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think yeah. there's definitely times where there's. There, there's some gaps a little bit exactly it's hard to tell though because it feels like it moves right. and the pacing just moves really quick but yeah but yeah so or maybe it's not maybe it's supposed to be fast and then they just run through these people so quickly because they're all as a military people they're all just cannon fodder and so yeah you move up you know in a span of a couple days or weeks as opposed to years and it's like yeah fuck it who cares he's gonna die anyway and it's gonna be the next group that moves in so i don't know we'll see i could see both being interesting play on um, or one being a little more real and the other being an interesting play on kind of the fascist military nation. So mm-hmm. uh, Rico is now in charge of the Roughnecks. Rico's Roughnecks. And he's got new new troops who look like children and they really do look like children. <laughs> my son actually even said that. He was like, oh my God, are those kids? I'm like, well, I mean, they're probably teenagers. And in truth, I mean, that's what the military looks like a lot of times. All the new recruits are 18, 19 years old. They look like exactly. babies. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like I, I've gone back to UGA for like a football game or something before. And it's like, you know, I think about my time in college and it's just like, oh, yeah, we were so much fun. We were all adults. And I look like now and I'm just like, yeah, you are. You're fucking children. Yeah. You're damn children. We still so. think of ourselves as like 18, 
you know, 19, 20, 20 21 years old in your head. And then you you realize like, oh, physically, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I notice that every day when I wake up and I'm like, something yeah. hurts that shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So uh, meanwhile, Carmen and the fleet are taking these huge plasma fire from the bugs and they have to, again, have to do this evading. It actually, I, I think this stuff looked too much like that earlier scene where they had to evade. Like they just reused it? Yeah, it just felt like it was reused. Yeah. And so, but they get hit hard, harder this time um, before they can warp, and so they have to abandon ship. And they're all trying to get, you know, get to an escape pod. The captain's with them, and she gets squished by a door, <laughs> so she dies. Uh, Xander and Carmen have to get to this escape pod and they get out. That, Just- that is actually the actress who comes back later. I I was wrong. I thought she comes back as the same character. She, the it's the captain. She's in Starship Troopers two as a different character. Oh, that's interesting. That's very yeah. maybe a twin. I don't know. So. Yeah, she, uh, uh, Carmen and Xander, they get to the escape pod in time, get out, and they have to do an emergency landing on this bug planet, obviously. So, uh, Ace tells Rico about the shit, the big ship that Carmen was on, that it's exploded. Uh, Rico hears Carmen's distress signal and kind of that they have to crash land, which they crashed land into like this underground, you know, tunnel system if you will and there's a bunch of bugs there and so Rico wants to go get them out but by hearing and knowing that there's bugs there they can all assume that they're dead and so he has to cancel it but uh, we do see that the bugs are actually not killing Xander and Carmen much like we, we set up earlier they're immobilizing them they're basically just immobilizing them and, and gonna drag them somewhere and not actually kill them so uh, Rico continuing his mission as they're kind of they're going to try to find this brain bug they're in these tunnels and he can tell carmen's down this path not the path i'm supposed to go on he can tell that she's alive and at first i was like oh maybe he does have psychic ability but no he he gets established carl is the one who sent that to him even my son was like what is he suddenly psychic yeah yeah but at least they, they explain it away which is good yeah so uh, Rico goes the other way and he needs two people. So Ace and Watkins join him and uh, this big, ugly brain bug comes out towards Xander and Carmen. The CGI on the brain bug doesn't really hold up. I agree. But I also don't think it's that much worse than some of the stuff we're seeing today. Yeah, it's it, not. It's not horrible. It's just they've established such good CGI with the soldier mm-hmm. bugs which look like they'd be more complicated. Maybe it might be that something smooth is harder to portray in CGI than something that is Could not be. as smooth. Yeah. Um, but also we only see them for a little bit, so it's honestly, sure. uh, let it go. Yeah. Uh, so this big brain bug has like this kind of sharp pointy probe thing and it stabs it into Xander's head. And I think this shot is awesome as it, it sucks out his brain and his like, he gets like, emaciated as it's sucking his brain out and I loved it. This one got another audible oh my god for my son. Yeah. Well they stay great. on I the was, shot. Of, they do. Yeah. I was I was judging, you know, how shocking this thing would have been for me as a kid mm. by why how he was shocked sure. by watching it. Well also yeah, because you'd expect a kid of today's age would have seen much more worse shit than we saw at that time. Just cause just because the internet is more uh, you know usable for him but maybe he luckily he has stayed off of some crazy bad sites then mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh but yeah so now carmen it's gonna suck out this is obviously how 
the you know there's the smart bugs this is how they have learned plans and you know they learn all this stuff about the humans and so you know the brain bugs are the ones in charge of the other bugs so carmen's next but she has the a knife that uh, we saw that xander kind of gave to her that he had with him and so she sliced off the slice off the probe from the brain sucker thing and right at that moment in walks rico with an armed nuke the brain bug knows it's smart enough it knows what the hell that is so it basically slithers away it, it, you love the line, though, from Rico. You're some kind of big, fat, smart bug, aren't you? You're some big, kind of fat, big, fat, smart bug, aren't you? <laughs> they get Carmen, and as the brain bug escapes, you know, the, leaving the soldier bugs to try to attack them, and they're swarming them. Watkins gets hurt, badly damaged, as they're all trying to get out of there. And I will say, Watkins goes out like a fucking champ. He goes out like a... Uh... Like that dude in Aliens, like Va- Vasquez and that other guy. No, 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 not Vasquez. Uh, the um, what's his? Not Bill Pullman. Uh, uh, uh Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton's character. <laughs> okay. Where where he he's like, I mean, it's not the same in that Bill Paxton's character spends most of the movie scared. Yes. And then at the but end, at the, he's like, yeah. oh, you want some? You, you want, want some? Because yeah. and that you get that from this guy here, where he's just shouting that. Yes, and then a mix, and then a mix of Vasquez who goes out in the with the explosion at the right you know, of as, they're, as, she, as they're as they're getting overrun. So yeah. yes, but you're right. it is very aliens esque. Yeah. So, um, but as they leave the cave, troops are cheering. Oh shit! While that was all going down, uh, and the uh, uh, as they got as the time they got out of there. We got it, and in comes Carl and everybody. Apparently, they got the brain bug. They pull it out. It's captured in a net, and Carl reads its mind. It's afraid. Yes, everybody cheers. So, <laughs> of course, uh, it's afraid. You caught it with a net. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, so Carl uh, may have helped, like I said, Rico find Carmen, and he tells them about uh, the uh, trooper who got the brain bug, who actually captured it, and it's uh, drill instructor Zim. Uh, who actually got it? And he's no longer a sergeant; he's a private, uh, which we know because uh, he wanted to join the fight. So yeah, good, good payoff. Yep, good payoff. And then we get some reports of them probing the brain bug, and I, I love the little, again little sensor <laughs> thing with it. I think it's great. Yeah. And it ends with another recruitment, the video that's highlighting kind of our protagonists now. They're kind of the new leaders of uh, of the Federation, and that is the end of our movie. And I, I took a long time. This is one of my longest. Um, yeah. Look at the time I'm recording because there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of good lines. It is mm-hmm. an over two hour film. And I'm going to go ahead and say, I think this movie holds the fuck up. It is mm-hmm. so good. It's so smart, smarter than people kind of remember. Um, it's action driven. It's fun. And it's got the right amount of cheese that it leans into at times. And I appreciate that. It is a satire. Yeah. You, you know, Verhoeven clearly knows what he's trying to create. And I feel like the older I get, the more I get out of it after every rewatch. Mm-hmm. There's something else, and maybe some. sometimes it's something as superficial as noticing the scene where the sure. where the trooper actually gets pulled in or understanding what the, the meaning of the satire really is or you know anything like that. And I'm with you. It 100% still holds up. It's still a fun one. Um, yes, when you're a kid, it's it's the shock value, mm-hmm. it's the nudity, it's all the superficial shit that you know, and that's fine. But it's still, as you get older, you're going to get something out of it every time you rewatch it. And so, I'm I'm at that point in my life where I'm like, okay, I remember how old I was when I saw some saw some you know movies and stuff like this, and 
is my are my kids ready for this? And I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty sure my kids are more mature than I was sure. at their ages. <laughs> and I really and they're gonna live in a world where access to everything is easy. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, if they're going to be shocked by things, I kind of want to be there for those moments so I can help explain if they have questions. And so I'm I'm not gonna shy away from the fact that I showed this uh, movie to my son. We've talked about how many times we've seen movies that were probably worse than this when we were even younger than that. Sure. Partially because, you know, that was that's what we had access to. That was our entertainment. We, you know, couldn't deal with that. I think the things that they have access to now are way quote unquote worse, more shocking than we ever did, mm-hmm. and much easier. But I think it's it's important to make sure you're always talking to your I'm being parent. John here in this moment is to be open with your kids and I try really really hard to always be honest with them especially if they have a question about something never lying to them about it um, you know unless I need to (laughs) you know (laughs) that's another thing as parents sometimes you just gotta lie to them and that's fine you know there's nothing wrong with that you know as long as your intentions are good if you're being malicious about it then you're just being an ass and you shouldn't Mm -hmm. be a parent but he he loved it he loved the movie um, it, it, it does have that right amount of cheese that I think he's into right now. Cause he's very much into very funny stuff, mm-hmm. but it has enough deep meaning for you to get something out of, as I said, as you mature, I still love this film and I was super happy to go back and watch it. And now we're going to move on to another sci-fi action property from the mid-90s, and we are talking Biker Mice from Mars. Uh, This show, this cartoon, ran from 1993 to 1996, three seasons, 65 episodes on Fox Kids. It was created by Rick Unger, who wrote for X-Men Evolution, a show called Dork Hunters from Outer Space. Uh, (laughs) That was a weird one. That's about, you know, the stuff that he mostly worked on. Uh, The cast for this show. Throttle is voiced by Rob Paulson, the great from Animaniacs, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Pinky and the Brain, tons of stuff. Uh, Modo was voiced by Dorian Harewood. He was in Full Metal Jacket. Uh, Space uh, Space Jam, he was uh, one of the Monstar voices. And lots and lots of shows and video games uh, that he's done. Vinny is voiced by Ian Ziering. Uh, we would probably recognize him best from Beverly Hills 90210 or the Sharknado movies uh, but he was also voice of wild wing in the mighty ducks animated show that we talked about charlie is voiced by lisa mcgee Uh, she is all has some small parts but only in a couple of their projects so not really too many other things for her Uh, grease pit is voiced by brad garrett we know him from everybody loves raymond ratatouille uh, eeyore in the christopher robin movie and lots of stuff from brad garrett yeah finding nemo yes oh yeah that's right Tons of stuff. Lawrence Lactavius Limburger, who is the main villain of the show, is voiced by William Morgan Shepard. Uh, he was in Gettysburg, as well as uh, Transformers, uh, Sequest, lots of stuff. Dr. Carbuncle is voiced by Susan Silo. Uh, she was in Sh- uh, the Shaolin Showdown. The Tick, Pink Panther, James Bond Jr. was something that oh, she yeah. was a main voice in that one. And, of course, uh, there's going to be a whole bunch of other awesome voice actors or a- other actors that lent their voice to this show. Jess Harnell, Leah Remini, Mark Hamill, Kath Succi, Malcolm McDowell, Jim Cummings, Charlie Adler, Pat Fraley, Michael Dorn, and also 
the pretty much entire rest of the main cast of Beverly Hills Night. I noticed that. <laughs> I noticed that he, they must have been working. Um, uh, Ian must have been working on this at the same time and probably yeah. brought them in as as guest voices for certain things, which is cool. I like it that. Is. I agree. I agree. So, uh, so this show follows three anthropomorphic mice uh, who ride motorcycles, and uh, they're. They uh, escaped a war on their home planet, Mars, before arriving to defend Earth from the evil uh, that destroyed their homeland, which are the Plutarchians, um, and, you know, one day hope to return to Mars. So that's the the whole point of it. Um, It is produced by Marvel Productions, which was then going by the name New World Animation, uh, but they also did things like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Dino Riders, Gem and the Holograms, stuff like that. Uh, The theme song is fine. It's heavy metal style, nothing special, but I've heard worse. Yeah. But yeah, totally fine. It's just sort of the, the robotic voice of mm-hmm. the biker mice from Mars, Mars when it first yeah. comes in. With that's the, the only thing. That's the only part of it that I'm kind of nostalgic for. Sure. Like, I, that makes me think of this. But yeah, the the actual song itself really does nothing yeah. for me. What did you, um, Yeah, I kind of skipped, I didn't think about, I didn't, I didn't bring that up, but do you remember this show at all? I do remember it. Uh, it was not one I think that I actively seeked out, but I think it w- if it was on, I would watch it. Um, you know, which was as the case in the early '90s. You, your choices were limited, and if if you wanted to watch cartoons, and you would watch whatever cartoon was on. Yeah. Um, in this case, I don't. Uh, there were probably toys with this. I don't think we had any of the toys. We I didn't. don't remember ever asking for any of the toys. I don't think I loved the show. I think I tolerated the show. And and I was I think mostly the same. I mean, this was you know right in I, I you know I was what seven to nine during this show, so I or something like that. Um, right, you know, right in the right time frame for you know to to be to love this kind of show. And it's it's is my type of show. This was definitely a show targeted toward towards young boys to buy the toys. Um, and so this is a very derivative show of others of its like. I would definitely say it's a complete ripoff of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And mm-hmm. I watched the first episode of this one. I don't know if you did. They even made fun of that. Okay. I watched a episode and I don't know where it was okay. in the So in the it's thing. funny so there the uh, the female uh the kind of the to the token female almost like the the April O'Neil type of this one of the show. They kind of saved her for the first time. She says, "I don't believe this. I was just saved by a bunch of giant gerbils." And go, someone goes, "Mice, ma'am, we're mice." And uh and the another one of them says, "You were expecting turtles maybe?" Haha, <laughs> a joke. I mean, so they they even know what they're doing here. Yeah. But um but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of actually other pop culture references that I saw that were in this show, like rewatching it now, um, that I'm kind of picking up on, you know, that I may not have noticed when I was younger, but but the show itself was pretty fun. Uh, I will say there was also a Super Nintendo video game. I never played that with it. Mm. Uh, they actually had a re not necessarily a reboot, but they brought the show back in 2006 that aired for one season, 28 episodes, which was actually a continuation of the storyline. And I think they oh. used most of the same voice actors. So it wasn't a new season. It was technically a kind of a reboot of the show, new animation. But I, I believe that was just a way to sell toys. Mostly they brought it back as a new way. Like, hey, you know, let's try to sell some toys again. So, yeah. uh, apparently 
not long ago, John, last month from when we're recording, but probably a couple months ago from when this is coming out, Ryan Reynolds announced that him and his company, which is called Maximum Effort Productions, are going to be co-producing a reboot of this series. I think I did hear that, and I kind of immediately dismissed it. Sure. Like, eh, I probably won't watch it, but good for him. I mean, okay. I mean, if it's got Ryan Reynolds' name behind it, you know, and I do like if it has a mix of comedy and action, I'm right. willing to kind of maybe give it a shot. It depends on who's going to be a part of it and if it's going to be it animated w- or what. It would be nice to see it refreshed with current animation and prob- hopefully better writing. Yeah. With <laughs> okay. Not with the intent of selling toys, but with the sure. intent of maybe having a good cartoon. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, it doesn't sound like you thought this was a good cartoon. Uh, tell me, you know, I've got all my stuff I needed to say about it, but what were your thoughts? I watched one episode. It was fine. It, I probably felt the same way about it now that I probably did as a kid, whereas I tolerated it. I was watching this um, like I had just I just got home from the grocery store and I was kind of watching and that, the episode on my phone as I was putting groceries away. And that's when uh, everyone else came in. And my son was like, this is the most 80s thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, yeah, it's not even from the 80s. It's from the early He doesn't 90s. know the difference between he 80s know and the 90s. Difference. I know. He doesn't know the difference. But he's not wrong. It's very 90s. It is, it is, it is very early 90s, which you know, late 80s if you need to sure. make the connection. Also, the episode I watched was like very misogynistic. And I think it was oh. the point of the episode because it was like telling the – the girl whose name I can't remember, so I'm going to call her New April O'Neil. She she also um, didn't have enough personality. She didn't have she didn't feel as as memorable as April. Right, a- a- April had like a personality, and I think they probably did more. But like they kept telling her like well, girls can't do things or blah blah blah, uh, blah. and so then she like puts on a disguise as like a motorcyclist because they kept telling her she couldn't be a biker. Uh, and other, but like it it was like they were like overtly misogynistic about gotcha. it, like to the point of uncomfortability hmm. for me. And I was like, ah, this is, I probably just picked the wrong episode to watch. Sure. But yeah, I'd, I didn't get much out of it this time. So. Yeah, it feels like a typical 90s action show. I think there are some cool elements to it, eh, but mostly I'm uh, kind of agree in that it's, it's a derivative show. Uh, but these were shows that I loved from that time, you know, Teenage mm-hmm. Mutant Ninja Turtles, Street Sharks, Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys. This is all the same. They just have a slightly different t- what type of anthropomorphic animal is going to take charge. You know, it doesn't matter. But it's going to be the same kind of, alright, villain of the week to some extent um, or this overarching villain that you follow through and there's the same kind of wacky adventures. It, it's it's pretty good. It's not great. But I, I liked it enough because I think I have a nostalgic tie to that time. You know, like mm. I was at the exact right age range for the show. So I, I don't think it's an amazing show, but I, you know what? I still, I still got some quality out of it. Sure. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... From Starship Troopers the movie, it's the bug bashing battle of the universe, and now you can help stop this alien bug invasion. Look out! We're away! Troops, man, fighter. Now blast the warrior bug apart. Alien hover bugs ready to stick. Scope them out from your retrieval ship and spray them with eight bug busting bombs. Yeah. This alien bug invasion must be stopped. Heroic MI Troopers, evil alien bugs. It's the bug bashing battle of the universe. New Starship Troopers action fleet bugs and vehicles. 
All right. Now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As I mentioned at the top, we're going to recast Starship Troopers using actors of today. Adam, I'm going to be honest. I'm not mm. particularly inspired by my casting. I don't normally say that, but I yeah. I think the problem is is the age range of the actors that I'm trying to cast are the ones I'm not as familiar with. And so I find myself having to go back to the same wells. <laughs> I was going to say that. I think every actor I have, I've used before. I think so, too. Mostly. I tr- a couple of places, I tried to use somebody new. Mm, um, but I uh, pretty much every actor on here, almost, I have used in a previous casting. Now, we've done several castings at this point, so it's probably yeah. inevitable. Um, but also, it's the age range of the actors. Yes. Because I was trying to actively avoid casting 35-year-olds. Yeah. I, I, I started part of, to like the 20s, part I of, think. Part of me wishes I had just done it, but... Um, but I, I did, I did uh, cast people mostly in their mid twenties. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm, about, I'm around the exact same. Where I'm assuming, I'm assuming a uh, college age and not high school age. But yeah, you know, that's kind of what it was in the movie, though, too. Sure. So, um, so we got a, a good number of characters to talk about: Johnny Rico, Carmen Abanez, Dizzy Flores, Carl Jenkins, Sergeant Zim, Xander Barkalow, which I don't remember if they ever say his last name on there. But yeah, uh, Mr. Retchek, who was, I guess his first name was Gene. I don't remember ever mm-hmm. them saying it, but. Uh, and then we threw in Ace Levy because he does. He kind of plays a little bit of a foil yeah. to uh, Rico in a while, but then it basically becomes his his right hand man, as it were. Um, so we'll start right there with Ace and Adam. Who did you cast? Yeah, Gary Busey. Or sorry, uh, Jake Busey. That's <laughs> <laughs> complete accent. He didn't like do anything particularly special. He just played like a douche. Yeah, and he did that pretty well. Um, I'm not saying this guy I know who plays a douche, but he was on a douchey movie series uh the franchise which is twilight um it's just a douchey kind of one so i imagine he can do it but he's done action and stuff before because of the twilight show but also back in days of future past which is a little while ago but still um he played warpath and looked great as warpath but i think he would be good with the action and probably you know have some of the douchey stuff i went with boo boo stewart as my ace levy that's a great name it is Boom, I think sir. he's a native that, actor. He looks like a native actor. That, no. Is that actually his name? Boo boo. Uh, uh. It's hard to tell. No, I liked. I liked. I liked the character of, of Warpath. And mm-hmm. and uh, like, there's a lot of those. Of there was a lot of those characters like um, uh, Blink and mm-hmm. and Warpath and stuff that I were like, I would have liked to seen them in their own like yeah sort of movie or whatever, or like more of them as a side character. Yes, as it were. No, I'm, I'm cool with that. I like that. Okay. Uh, I went, obviously, this was the last one I cast, and it was kind of an afterthought. It does. It, Ace doesn't matter as much, honestly. I went back to a well I've used before, which was uh, Riverdale. Oh, yeah. I've used a, lot, used a lot of those guys, actors, and I cast KJ Appa. Okay. I mean, he, well, Ace gets a lot of screen time in this show. I mean, yeah. yeah. And I think that makes sense. And, and, and Riverdale's a douchey show, very similar to Twilight was a douchey movies. So <laughs> I, I think that. Totally, totally makes sense. It fits. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, Rad Check. This was actually one of the ones I put the most time into. I had tough, tough ones. With I had a check. tough one. And so I decided my important thing here was attitude. Okay. Michael Ironsign gives the right attitude. I'm not sure how I'm going to make this work, but I know the actor is going to kill it. Mm-hmm. I know he's got the right attitude. I think I think he's got the right swagger, 
but physically this is going to be a challenge. I picked Peter Dinklage. That is interesting. I, I mean, of course he can definitely bring bring the attitude and, and the acting portion. And like the he has an intimidation factor in like Game of Thrones, but it's more of a mental side of things. Right. Um I am curious to see how they would make that work. I'm I was I, I knew that that was gonna be a little bit of an issue. But like he to me, I he screams like he could play a school, you know, a lieutenant. Mm-hmm. It's just the physicality. And you know what? In 2197, maybe they got ways around that. Yeah, maybe. Do with it. And he's such well, a fantastic actor. I think it would just be a lot of fun. All right, who did you pick? Uh, I'm realizing, I mean, I like my pick, but the actor I chose is only five years younger than Michael Ironside. And we're filming this 25 plus years after the, you know, if we're the movie yeah but uh, one of the things i i've I've noticed and and we'll have to under we'll have to take this into consideration there's a lot of actors who are much older now who are playing parts that probably should be much younger but they're still making it work and yeah you know technology is making it look good it probably isn't that big of a deal okay i hope not um because i do think he he also gives off the kind of can give off the angry intimidation vibes that we get from michael ironside he's not as good of an actor but he is good and we've seen him a lot with some of his, his kind of like that energy, but with comedy behind it. But if you go back to kind of his intimidating energy when he was on Walking Dead, um, it's more like Razcheck to an extent. I went with Michael Rooker as my Razcheck. Okay. We're so, I, you see him so often with a comedy yeah, aspect, yeah. but he can do just plain badass. Yeah. I don't hate that. Okay. I don't, I think I think it my first gut reaction was was oh I don't like that but no 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 the more I think about it the more I I don't hate that at all. Yeah. I mean it's very distinctive voice which maybe might be distracting right. but I don't know I, I yeah I'm hoping he can. I mean so does um so does Clancy Brown. Yeah, true. To and he makes sure. it work for him so. Uh okay. Xander, who did you pick for Xander? <laughs> Xander's a toolberg. Um I don't like Xander <laughs> at all. But He's he's an important factor and he helps, you know, kind of, you know, he he gets the the vibes from Carmen and he's working with her. Um I want an actor who again, yeah, I stuck to the mid 20s kind of stuff cuz even though he does look older than everyone else, he is still like the same age. I right. cuz he's in school. So I've used this actor before. I've seen him mostly in a, a spin-off show from Blackish called Grownish um where he plays a love interest of um Yara Yarashidi? How, how do I say your name? Yeah, Yarashidi. Yeah. Um yeah, Yarashidi. Uh but this guy, yeah, he's 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 been in more episodes than she has. It's it's you know, he's in a shit ton of it. He is his name is Trevor Jackson. And I think he can pull off like a I don't know. He's a good-looking guy. He can absolutely yeah. pull off this confident, you know, lead lead vibe of Xander. Yeah, I I, I agree. He's a good-looking dude, and I think that's important because Dizzy's got to... F- or not Dizzy. Um, yeah. Carmen's got to kind of fall in love with him, kind of, yes. I yeah. guess. So she, he's got to be good-looking enough to pull away from, from Rico. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything he's in, but uh, I'll take your word on it. Okay. I will take your word on my word. Um, I went with a little bit of a bigger name, as it were. Uh, maybe. 
maybe a bigger name. Uh, it's definitely somebody I've used before. Um, I, I, I need somebody I know who could play a douche, and I needed somebody who I thought could – he needed to look like he could be the leading man because mm-hmm. he's got to fight with Rico for Carmen's affections. Yeah. Uh, I went with Decker Montgomery. I can see that because he definitely has douche vibes from um, – Stranger Things. Things. He yeah, he's got leading leading man vibes from that, and I could see him. Yeah, I can see that totally. Cool. Uh, all right. Probably the one that I found the most hard to to mm. cast, Sergeant Zim. Yeah. There's only one Clancy Brown. There's hardly mm-hmm. anyone anyone I felt who had a voice that could, you know, or an attitude could really do it. We're all like too old for that. Sure. I did end up picking an actor who is older. Probably in his early to mid fifties at this point, um, and he's balding, which is a little bit different. But you know, Zim <laughs> wears a hat most of the time, so it doesn't matter. But I want some of the presents. I'm not necessarily sure I like my pick, um, so I, won't, I honestly won't be offended if you don't like it. Uh, I went with Billy Zane. Oh, interesting. I'm not sure I love that pick either. I like Billy Zane. I'm just I I have trouble seeing him as the badass. This role, yeah, yeah I kind of do too. Role. Now that I've now that I've had time to really sit with it, because I did most of this casting as I was watching the movie, mm-hmm. which was last night. So yeah, uh, I'll I'll take the L on that one. Okay, well, <laughs> well, maybe you can come to my side. The first name I thought of was John Bernthal, but he's got the vibe. He doesn't have like the the height and the intimidation. Yeah, I, I want to keep that for this yeah, actually. Yeah. The heightened intimidation. And then I realized that I cast John Bernthal as my new Captain Hadley when I did the Shawshank. Uh, oh, yeah. And I was like, I can't have the same person do. He's the only one I go to after <laughs> Clancy Brown. Yeah. Uh, and so I went with another guy who does have a pretty distinctive voice. He also is pretty tall and can be intimidating. He's also the same age. Right? He's like, I think uh, my guy is like 51 or something right now, mm. but I still think he can bring out the vibes that I need. I went with Idris Elba as my Sergeant Sim. I think that's a much better, cho- better okay. choice. Okay. Or at least, at least makes more sense. He's done plenty of action. You know, he could, he could, he could pull it off for sure. Yeah, I agree. Carl, Carl, Carl. Oh, God, that hurt. <laughs> um, who did you pick for Carl? Sure. Uh, my Carl, I, I, um, when I think Doogie Hauser, I think, you know, total nerds. I need someone who I think could play total nerd because Carl is that in this movie. You know, but he's kind of funny. He's got some good sarcasm stuff. Um, I went with an actor who has been acting since he was a kid. Um, and we saw him and I've again, I've used him before, but I don't care. Um, we saw him way back when he was a child actor in the wonderful movie Hugo. But he's also done some action in Ender's Game. I went with Asa Butterfield as my Carl. I I think that is a a very good one to one yeah casting that I think that's a good choice okay I think he's 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 got the kind of nerdy where you think he could be like he could actually be military intelligence but he's a good enough actor that he mm-hmm. can give you that seriousness that kind of turns Carl at the end when you yeah. when you when you see the the age I guess on him kind of mm-hmm. I switched up Carl a little bit. I kind of disregard I know these guys are all supposed to be like military, beautiful people, but I kind of disregarded body type for this one because okay, you never sure. really see Carl go through basic training because he's going to military intelligence. Yeah. So let's let I'm gonna find an actor who can give me some of the um, the kind of fun sass that Carl gives us at the beginning. Sure. I think this guy 
needs uh, needs some more features to shine in. We mostly only know him for one character in a series of movies. He's done several TV shows and stuff like that. He has um, he had one that came out in 2022. It only had 10 episodes. I don't think it got renewed, but I haven't seen it called Reginald the Vampire. Uh, I went with the guy who plays Ned in Spider-Man, Jacob Batalon. Okay. Yeah, I totally can see and understand the um, you don't need the same body type, um, but he is f- he's quite funny as the friend, as the guy in the chair. Right. And so, yeah, I like that. I could absolutely see that. Okay, cool. Uh, Dizzy. Uh, it was going to be tough to follow mm-hmm. uh, Dizzy. So whether or not you decide to put in the nudity into a redo, while people would probably argue is important for the story, yeah, I don't know is absolutely necessary. Agreed. And so I would probably leave that up to, because it's really just Dizzy. Of of yeah. the people we're casting, Dizzy is the only yes. one who's you can say. I mean, other than you do see Johnny Rico's butt yeah. in that same shower scene. Yeah, I would leave that up to the actors. I would I would have I would have the scene there and be like, listen, if if you guys think it's important to put it in, we will put it in. If you don't think it's important, we'll find a way around it. Yeah. Um, so I actually went with an actress who is pretty new, and by pretty new, she only has one acting credit. Wow. She is the lead, however, on a TV series uh, is run from 2022 to 2023, so one season so far, and for all intents and purposes, is getting some pretty good reviews, I think, for how she's acting, as far as I could tell. Uh, and she's on the series The Summer I Turned Pretty. She is the lead. Her name is Lola Tung, T-U-N-G. Okay. I I don't know her at all. I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah. it's only on that one show. So, hopefully, taking, it's a good show. I, I'm taking a chance on an on a relative unknown. In okay, this, in this case, fair. Uh, I I can't say yes or no because I don't really haven't seen her right. stuff. But of course, she's attractive lady, and I hopefully she could she could do uh, the acting part of it. So cool. All right, who did you pick? I went the exact opposite. I went with I, I wanted a name, um, you know, because we're gonna need to pull people to draw for this, mm-hmm. and I think this is the biggest name other than Idris Elba. Um, this is the biggest name for definitely the biggest name for my leads, even though the other ones are are, are good names too. I guess I couldn't get like that curly hair out of my head, uh, and so I went with <laughs> probably the biggest name uh, in this age range right now. I went with Zendaya as my Dizzy Flores, and I, I agree with you. Like, if she doesn't want to do nudity, it's not essential to the to the to this movie at all where some of our other movies that we had talked about semi recently it's almost an essential part of it mm-hmm. the it, you know it's kind of hard to not have the plague boy in under siege um and that have not have that scene uh you know of her popping out right but it's not necessary in this one you could you could cut it or you could hit off the shower scene but just shoot it to where you're seeing shoulders up yeah exactly yeah exactly um yeah zendaya is is a huge great actress done action and she's she would be a good lead for this movie. Cool, I'm I'm cool with that. Okay, uh, all right, Carmen, Carmen Abanez, who did you pick? Yeah, Carmen Abanez. You got to have attractive, headstrong person. Uh, I again, I know I went with an actress who I've used before, probably fairly recently, but oh well. She she yeah, I, I've also seen her in 
uh, Riverdale is something that you've gone to. I've used her. I can't remember what I used her for. I think I said I was going to have to frump her up in that last one. This one, I'd let her shine in the beautiful person that she is and let her kind of be more of like that outstanding gorgeous type. Uh, but yeah, she plays Veronica on Riverdale, and I think she would do well as kind of like the sultry but smart, um, but still kind of like, you know, I don't know, overconfident kind of person in Carmen. I went with Camila Mendez. I get big Mila Kunis vibes. Ah, uh, yeah. Her. I guess, yeah, for, especially from that picture, that her IMDb picture, if you're looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm I'm cool with that. Okay. Yep, she's been in some, I mean, big, long projects like Riverdale for a while. I think it's just makes sense for one-to-one. Right. All right. So, oddly enough, um, I also went with an actress who I don't think she appears on Riverdale per se, but she does appear on, oh, no, she did appear on for a couple of episodes, but she also appeared on a show that takes place in the same universe as Riverdale. Uh, and I went with some, I think you used her last, last one and I almost used her and didn't, but I did this time. I went with Kiernan Shipka. Oh, who oh was on, the, the chilling adventures. The, yeah. She was, I didn't know that was in the same thing. Yeah. They're, they're in the same universe. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Uh, no, that's cool. I mean, she is, she, I feel like she's getting a lot of, um, attention. Kiernan Shipka in general, mm-hmm. she's kind of showing herself off to be a pretty, pretty big actress. And I, and I can totally see that. She definitely, I think has good a good vibe to be um, uh, Carmen in this yep. movie. So yeah, I like it. Uh, okay. Johnny Rico. I'm a little, wait, did we did your Carmen, right? Yeah, we did my Carmen. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Okay. Uh, my Johnny Rico is also another one where I was a little iffy on, cause I really wanted to use somebody who I hadn't used either at all or a lot. This guy, he's been in a few action things. He was in the divergent series, um, but he was also in the fault in our stars. Uh, may I don't know. Maybe his performance in Baby Driver would would. Uh, mm. you know, I went with Ansel Elgert. Yeah, um, yeah. He's he's a little not not to say he's necessarily scrawny, but he. Just, I just remember him being kind of thin in Baby Driver. That's not that big of a deal, right? But that was also like um, like five or six years ago. So. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Also, uh, I mean, we can we can throw some of that money around and get him a trainer. Just to he yeah. doesn't have to bulk up a lot. He he does. They were just that shirtless scene where. He gets whipped, mm-hmm. um, uh, where Rico gets whipped, yeah, and also the shower scene. So, I mean, we'll just get him a trainer. We'll get him yeah, a trainer yes, exactly. and, enough, and enough lead time. He'll get there. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I like him as an actor. I really liked Baby Driver. I haven't seen too much of his other stuff, but I liked him in that movie quite a bit, and so I think he could tie in with enough of his action mm-hmm. side of it, and I, I think he'd be a good actor for it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. I think he's done enough lead stuff at this point that he could lead a movie like this yeah. on his own. Yeah. You're right. You're right. All right. Who did you pick? Uh, so, yes, I went with somebody who I know I've cast before, and I know you've cast before. Um, he's good with, I, I think, the vibes that I get from Johnny Rico, and it's funny because... Casper Van Dien really wasn't too big of a name. I think this actor is a big enough name. Um, and he's also starred in action movies before. He played the lead in the Power Rangers movie, even though I heard that that was trash. I didn't see it. He played the Red Ranger. And John, you thought he'd be better for Xander, but I think <laughs> Dacker Montgomery would be better as Johnny Rico. I'm not upset about that. I'm okay. not upset about that. I could totally see him leading this film as well. Sure. That's that's a good call. Uh, and I think I actually considered him at first for... Sure. For uh, for Rico, and then I was—he's like, got some similar looks to to Casper Van Dien, honestly. Yeah, 
if you, if you've seen some of the pictures, but yeah. And he's gone with shirtless scenes in uh, um, Stranger Things, so okay, he can he can make it work. Ultimately, I think it came out okay. Yeah, okay. I know you're kind of worried, but I think between what we've got, I think we've got a pretty damn good cast if we kind of mix and match some of those. I sure. think it would do really good. All right, cool. All right, well, that was our recasting of Starship Troopers. Please join us next time as John and I go over another album review, and this time we talk a really good one that I don't think enough of y'all know about. It's Bruce Hornsby's album, Hot House. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. <laughs>